A few weeks ago, we, uh, we looked at a passage in the book of Acts together, and uh, we looked at what it was like to be part of the early church. We, uh, we looked at some things that helped us to see what it would have been like to be part of the church in the best part of 2,000-odd years ago. And uh, there are a whole number of things that we drew from the passage in Acts chapter 2. You may know it well, don't worry if you don't. Because we grouped them together, uh, we ended up with, with four things. We said that the early church loved God. The early church loved one another. They loved those who didn't know Jesus yet. And they had a heart for reaching other nations. And uh, we, we looked at some of those things. We've looked at the first two, in fact, a few weeks ago. If you missed it, you can get the talk off the website. It may be helpful to you. Because it gives you a feel for what, what sort of church we are. It gives you a feel for what sort of church we want Jubilee to become. What the sort of churches that we're building here. You see, those four things are set in our culture. They're part of who we are. You know, if you, get, uh, if you were to travel maybe to Brighton for the day and you, you bought a stick of Brighton rock, you could cut it in half and, and you'd see probably the words Brighton rock inside, wouldn't you? All the way through. Well, if you, if you were to get hold of us as a church and if you were to cut us in half, I would suggest you would see these four things right at the very core of who we are because they're important to us. And so we looked, didn't we, at loving God, how that's a priority in our lives, how it happens in our worship times together, how it happens in our work times and times at home. We looked at how we want to be loving one another. It says in Acts 2.42 that the, the early church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. So they were devoted to one another. So look round this morning, if we were to to build a New Testament church, which we are, then we ought to be devoted to one another. That's the word the Bible uses to describe what it was like to be part of that early church. And that was expressed in their care for one another, in their love for one another, the way they spent time with one another. It was expressed in serving one another as well. And we looked, didn't we, very quickly at at serving in Jubilee and uh, encouraging you to be part uh, of a a serving team. You'll you'll notice if you've grabbed one of these little leaflets that says Living Life Together. If you haven't yet, then there's some at the back. And do take one because it's got some key dates for this term in it. But at the back it says about being involved uh, in church life, serving one another. I was listening to a talk just this week, actually, and, uh, and the guy was saying that in his church, I forget the exact figure, so I'm going to be conservative on it. I think it was slightly higher than this. But he was saying in his church, around about 90% of their church were serving on a Sunday team once a month or more. 90%? Wow! That's pretty good going, isn't it? That's a good percentage. I was, I was impressed. And uh, we want to be aiming towards that because as we serve one another, it helps the church grow, it serves us, it makes things happen around here and it's, uh, it's great fun as well. So do have a look at that and, uh, and get in touch with us, get involved in, if you're not on a serving team yet. Now in a couple of weeks' time we'll be looking at uh, how the early church had a heart for reaching other nations. But this morning I want to look at what it means to be a church that loves people who don't know Jesus yet. 
That's one of our core values, loving those who don't know Jesus yet. And if you've been part of us for a while, if you've been around Jubilee for a bit of time, you as I have done, and it's important to us. In fact, earlier in the year, in I think it was March and April time, we had a whole series that we called Just Walk Across the Room. And I'll refer to that again in, in a little while. So, knowing that I'd spoken about this subject before, I, I went to my folder of preaching notes and, uh, and I dug out the, the preach that I used last time. And in fact, uh, I was, uh, was it last week? I think we were away, wasn't it? It was last Sunday I was preaching in Leicester and uh, the church there and talking about a similar subject, in fact. I thought, well, I thought this thought crossed my mind. I, I'll be honest with you, I'm open with you. I did think, well, listen, the easy thing to do to give me a bit of an easier week would be to pull out the notes, maybe change one or two illustrations and hope you didn't notice. And I thought about that for a while and I thought, that's just not right. I didn't feel comfortable doing that. And so I started to pray, which is generally a good thing for me to do. And I started to pray and ask God for a new angle on this. And I said, Lord, would you, would you give us a new angle on this? We want to look at this subject again. But, you know, would you, would you give me a, a fresh take on it, if you like? And uh, I felt God speak to me from a song and ask me the question, have you got the love? Have you got the love? Now, the song that we played in the break there, if you were listening carefully to it, you may know it. It's by Candy Statton. That was a remix version. And uh, the song's called, Have You Got the Love? Or something like that. And it's talking about God's love. If you look to the words, and I got hold of them this week, the whole song uh, is talking about God's love. So it's a great track. But I felt God ask me, I felt him say to me, have you got the love? When we're talking about loving people who don't know Jesus yet, I felt God say to me, have you got the love? So that's the angle I want to take this morning. And we're going to unpack that as we go. Okay? So why don't we pray and ask God to help us and uh, we'll see where we go on this. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come now. We say, oh God, come and be our teacher. Help us to understand your truth, the truths of your words. I pray it would impact us in a fresh way. I pray you'd speak to us, you'd challenge us, you would motivate us and you would move us on individually and a church. Holy Spirit, come and be uh, amongst us, please. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You see, loving those who don't know Jesus yet starts with just that. Love. It's profound, this, isn't it? If this is your first time here, you're thinking, boy, this guy's profound. Listen, this is about as profound as it gets. You see, loving people who don't know Jesus yet starts with love. It's not just about a strategy or programs, although they come into it. Right at the very heart of it, right at the core of this, is loving people. Loving people who don't know Jesus yet. Loving people who are far from God. They may be people like you. They may be very different to you. They may be older than you or younger than you. They may have a similar background or a very different background. They may be from the same part of the country as you. They may be from a different country completely. It doesn't matter. Jesus calls us to love people who don't know him yet. 
In, uh, in Matthew chapter 9, we get uh, uh, an account of Jesus talking. So if you've got your Bibles with you, maybe you'd like to turn to these verses as we look at them together. This is Matthew chapter 9. We're going to read just a few verses from verse 35 to the end of the chapter. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says this, Matthew's, Matthew's account is this. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In this passage in Matthew here, you find Jesus having compassion on the crowds. But even before he had compassion, he saw them. He saw them. Now, I know that sounds obvious. You you say, Graham, of course he saw them. He had eyes he could see in front of him. Yes, but I want to suggest to you it's sometimes easy to see things yet not really see them. Maybe you're familiar with those pictures. I think they're called, is it Where's Wally? And you get this very colourful and detailed picture. You have to find the character in it. Maybe you've seen optical illusions. One of my favourite ones is, uh, I think it's, uh, you look at it once and it seems like a vase. And you, you look at it again and it's, it's two people. And you think, what is it? Is it, is it a vase? Is it two people? And you keep wondering what you're seeing there. You see, it's possible to see something and not yet really see it. You see, it's easy to see a crowd, but not see people. You just see a whole mass. Jesus looked at a crowd and saw individuals. He just didn't just see a whole mass of humanity. He looked at a crowd and he saw individual people. And he knew them all by name. He saw individuals who were far from God. Individuals who were harassed, who were helpless. I wonder, what do you see when you see a crowd? Do you just see bodies, this sort of mass of humanity? Or do you see individuals? You see, a crowd is just a collection of individuals. And they were individuals that Jesus knew. Individuals that God knows by name. Individuals that he cares for. Now, we've got a few people here this morning. And you might think, well, God looks down and just sees, do you see, see a crowd? He doesn't. He sees every single one of you. And knows you by name. He knows all about you. He looks on you, and just as Jesus looks on these people and has compassion and love, the same is true this morning. Jesus looks at you and has compassion and has love. You see, if you look through the Gospels, you'll find that compassion is a common theme. Don't turn to these verses. I don't think you'll be able to keep up with me, but let me give you a few examples. Matthew 9, 36 says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, the verse we've just read. Matthew 14, verse 14, When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Matthew 15, verse 32, Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion for these people. Matthew 20, verse 34, Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Mark 1, 41, 
Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I'm willing, he said, be clean. And he healed the guy. Luke 15, verse 20. This is the story of the, uh, of the, lost, uh, the lost son, the parable of the, of the lost son. Jesus says he gets up, goes to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. It's a story Jesus is telling, but it's illustrating what God the Father is like. Filled with compassion. It's a, it's a common word, friends. And it describes Jesus' love to you, to each of us. Filled with compassion. But not only did Jesus feel compassion, he did something as a result. And how many times have we maybe watched an appeal on television? Think about it for yourself. How many times have you watched an appeal on television? Maybe for famine relief in a faraway land. Maybe you've had compassion on the people there, on the starving children whose emaciated bodies were beamed into your living room. Maybe even you, you said to your husband or wife, hey, that's, that's awful, isn't it? Isn't that dreadful? But what did you do about it? It's easy to have compassion and do nothing. Jesus had compassion and did something. Seeing the crowds for him was just a starting point. Is recognising people's needs. Having compassion was the second bit. Seeing the crowds, having compassion... And then for Jesus, action was the third pit. Doing something. Doing something about it. Under, are, you a, are you one of these people watchers? Would you describe yourself as a people watcher? I have to confess, Sarah and I are people watchers. We love it. Love watching people. I, I remember we went to the pub one evening. I won't tell you which one in case you go there. Um, about, uh, we went to the pub one evening and, and we sat there and uh, we were chatting away and, and having a great time and uh, drinking and catching up with each other. And uh, we looked across the room and there was another couple there. And we noticed over a period of time that they were there for pretty much the whole evening as we were. And as they were there drinking their drinks, they didn't even say a word to each other. I remember thinking, this is crazy. They could have saved their money and stayed at home and not said a word to each other. I mean, why go out and not say anything to each other? But I love watching people. And sometimes as I do that, I get a sense of God's compassion for them, his love for them, as I do. Loving people who don't know Jesus yet is something you do. But it's also something that God puts in you. If you're sitting there thinking, well, that's all very well for you, but I don't really feel that. Listen, it's something that God can put in you. You see, values come from inside of you, don't they? Your values come from inside and are worked outwards. And this is a value that God can put in you. And once he does, it changes things. It has an effect on you. For us as a church, this value affects our priorities. It affects our budgets. A significant proportion of our annual budget as a church is used for loving people who don't know Jesus yet or wanting to introduce them to him. You know, things like Alpha, guest services, publicity, anything that will help us reach people who don't yet know Jesus is important to us. It affects our time, doesn't it? 
We want to be making sure that we're constantly looking out as a church. Not just looking in. It's important to look in as well. But looking out. That's the reason you look in, actually. You look in so you can build one another up so that you then look out together. It's not you look in and care for one another just so you can go, oh, there, there, we're a nice, little, cuddly, friendly community. It's you look in, build one another up, so therefore you can go out together. That's, that's the reason for it. So it affects our time, doesn't it? For Sarah and I personally, it affects our friendships. We want to be building friendships with people who don't know Jesus yet. We're intentional about it. We give time to it. I once heard somebody say, talking on a similar subject, they said this, they said, never feel bad spending money on having a meal with people who don't know Jesus yet. Even put it in their family budget, he said. Don't feel bad about it. Invest time, invest money, invest energy, invest yourself in building relationships with people who are far from God's and looking to bring them in to his family. And it's because this value, well actually, it's because this value takes hold of you that it will change you. And if it does, it will make a difference to the way that you live. I promise you, it really will. And so back to our question, have you got the love? Have you got the love? When, we, when we've looked at this subject of loving people who don't know Jesus yet before, we've always gone to Luke chapter 15. We've used that at our starting point. And Luke, in Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells three stories, three parables. Stories that he is telling to illustrate a point. And the point he's making, we don't have time to look at it this morning, you can look at it at home if you like, Luke chapter 15. The point that he's making is that lost people matter to God. He talks about a lost sheep. He talks about a woman who has a lost coin. And then he talks about a lost son. And in each of these stories, something of value was lost. The person concerned searched hard for it. And when they found it, there was much celebration. That's what happened in each of those stories. I wonder, do you think that Jesus may be trying to tell us something here? Possibly. In three stories, all illustrating the same point. He repeats it three times. There is a whole chapter of the book of Luke devoted to this. Things that were lost and then were found. A whole chapter of the Bible is, is about this. Maybe it's important. Maybe God is trying to tell us something. Lost people matter to God. You matter to God. Every single one of you this morning, I wonder, would you describe yourself as, as lost to God? Maybe for you, once upon a time, you had a dynamic relationship with God. But I've just fallen away and it just doesn't seem to be happening anymore. You think, oh, well, I, there's no way I could come back to him now. Listen, you matter to God. In the parable of the lost son, the son started off in a family home, in, in a family, and then went away. And he came back and was welcomed home. Maybe for you this morning, you need to come home. Maybe for you this morning, you need to come back to God. And as you, if you do that, then I can promise you, he welcomes you with arms that are open wide. Just as the father in the story of the lost son was thrilled that his son had come home, so it is with God. Maybe for some of you this morning, you need to come back to God. 
And as you do that, he stands there, arms wide open. In fact, more than that, he runs towards you as you take some faltering steps towards him. Maybe for some of you, you've never known that relationship with God. You think, well, actually, maybe I'm one of those people. Maybe, you know, I don't know Jesus yet, you might be thinking. Well, listen, this morning, you matter to God. And God doesn't just look down on us gathered here this morning in this room above a pub in the centre of Derby and see a crowd of a few people. He sees individuals. And he sees you. And he knows you by name. He knows all about you. He knows how many hairs are on your head. Or not, if that's the case, (laughs) these days. He knows everything you've done, everything you will do. He knows you better even than your closest friends. And he looks on you and loves you. He so wants a relationship with you. It's like he's calling your name. Even now, he's calling your name saying, come home, you were designed for a relationship with me. Come home, come home to where you should be. You matter to God. You matter to him. People who are far from God matter to him. Friends, do you believe it? We need to really believe this, really get hold of it. Because if you do, it will honestly affect you. It will change your life. It will affect who your friends are. It will affect what you do with your time, with your money, with your energy. And become a priority for you. We are only here as a church. Jubilee is only here as a church because lost people matter to God. That is the only reason we are here. Because people who are far from God matter to him. And we want to do something to try and reach them. That is why we're here. It's why we were birthed out of a desire to reach people with the good news of the gospel. That's why we, that's why we do what we do. To reach people who are far from God. Our vision is to build a large city centre church. That's what we want to see. That's what we're praying, asking God for, saying, God, would you do it? We've got a vision to see a large church established here in the city. There'll be small groups all across the city, in different communities, demonstrating the love of God in a practical way to those who live around them. Gathering together essentially on a Sunday to worship God, to hear from Him, to receive teaching and encouragement, be sent out again to reach the people that God has put us amongst. We're dreaming of a church where 50% of the people, that's half of the people, are newly saved. That's our vision, that's our dream, that's what we're going for. We're saying, God, would you do it? A church where half of the people are new Christians. You might say, well, well, Graham, that's just not the case right now. Well, it isn't. And you might think, oh, that's just a lot of people. Well, listen, look at it like this. We want to grow by people being saved. Added into God's kingdom. But listen, if every one of us saw one person saved, so out of all the people you're praying for, out of all your friends who don't know Jesus yet, out of all your work colleagues, everybody uh, in your class at uni, everyone you're living with in your house or hall of residence, if you just saw one of those people come to Christ and add it into the church, two things would happen. Number one, we would double in size. Number two, half the people here would be newly saved. And it would only take one of your friends. 
Think about it. It might be you might think, oh, maybe, maybe more than that. Two or three of my friends. Well, maybe so. But it would only take one of our friends for each of us. And suddenly we'd have a church where half of the people here were newly saved. Let me make it clear. We want to grow as a church. We believe God has spoken to us about growing as a church. Dash and I were at a a conference yesterday and the guy speaking said this. He said, churches grow because... I'm thinking, oh, I want to write this down. What's he going to say? What's he going to say? Churches grow because... Dot, dot, dot. They want to grow. How interesting. How interesting. Churches grow because they want to grow. And it's true. We need to look at ourselves sometimes and think, do we really want it to grow? Because things will change as we grow. You won't know everybody here. There'll be people on a Sunday who you, you, know, you might say hello to somebody on the door and they'll say, is this your first time? And you'll say, no, I've been here for a year. But that's just one of those things. You won't know everybody. That's why small groups are so important. So you do know some people. As we grow larger, we grow smaller at the same time. We're, we invest in relationships and build small groups across the city. That's important. But, you know, there are challenges to growth, but we want to grow. Why? Because as we grow, God gives us more resources to reach people who don't know Jesus yet. God's plan is for the church to grow. Look at nature. Healthy things grow, don't they? Be it plants or trees or animals or people. Healthy things grow. That's God's design. Same is true of the church. Let's be asking God that we would see the church grow by people coming to know him, coming into a relationship with him. We need to get it into our very being that lost people, people who are far from God, matter to him. Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, Luke 19, verse 10, talking about himself, he said, for the Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. What was lost. And that's why we love people who don't know Jesus yet. And by loving them, we want to bring them to a place where for themselves they can experience God's love and grace in their lives. Maybe for some of you this morning, it's bringing you to a place where you can experience God's love and God's grace in your life. In Matthew 9, Jesus saw the crowds. He had compassion on them and he did something about it. So my question to each of us this morning, my question to you this morning is this. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do differently, maybe, as a result of this message? How is your life going to change? How is your diary going to change? How is your budget going to change? What are you going to do differently to put this value into practice in your life? I'm often reminded by God of the importance of loving people who don't know Jesus yet. You might say, Graham, that's that's evangelism, isn't it? Well, evangelism isn't just something we should be doing, but rather evangelistic should describe something we are being. Something we are being. So are you evangelistic? Let me give you a few quick, real, real quick, some practical steps that will help you to put this into practice in your life. There are a few things, practically, that I think can help us here. Number one, just walk across a room. We did a whole series on this early in the year. I think you can still get the talks off the website if you want to. 
And uh, we looked at this subject and we asked questions like, are we listening to the Holy Spirit? Are we saying, God, give us opportunities? And then when we hear him prompt us, take a walk across the room. Introduce ourselves maybe to somebody that we've never met before, holding out a hand of friendship and saying, hi, I'm Graham, what's your name? Peter. Peter, good, good to meet you. And seeing what God does with that conversation. Maybe nothing will come out of it. Maybe something will come out of it. You will never know unless you take that walk across the room and hold out that hand of friendship. So do that. Take walks across rooms. Hold out hands of friendship and see what God does. See what he does. Secondly, Alpha. Alpha is a great tool. Really helpful to introduce people to Jesus, what it means to, to love God. And uh, we're just coming to the end of one Alpha course. There'll be another one in the new year. But Alpha is a great tool we can use. Guest services. Listen, guest services are fantastic for this. Guest services give us an opportunity to, to invite friends knowing that the gospel will be clearly explained and then have an opportunity to respond to it. Our next major guest service is on the 11th of November. The 11th of November. A guy called Scott Taylor from Reading Family Church, gifted evangelist, is coming up to be with us. And uh, we're going to do a little bit of publicity for that as well. By a little bit, I mean about around 100,000 so leaflets and uh, they'll be going out to every single home in Derby, inviting people on that Sunday morning. Yeah, you can tell, tell Pete if he can beat that number. There you go. So we're inviting every single person in the city, saying, why don't you come? Why don't you come and hear the good news about Jesus Christ? And they'll be going out in a couple of weeks or so uh, before that. It's part of a whole weekend called Front Edge. Front Edge is something that New Frontiers are running in different parts of the UK and other countries now. And it's a weekend to equip people to share their faith on the Saturday. And then on the Sunday, gifted evangelists are sent into churches in the area where it's happening to, to preach the guest services, to pray for the sick and ask God to heal. And then on the Sunday afternoon or Sunday night, all the evangelists go back and uh, report back what happens. And uh, we've, we've had a number of these across the country now and we've seen hundreds of people saved and added into our churches. It's a great tool. I want to urge you, try and get to the Saturday if you can. It's a, a great training resource. Saturday, the 11th of November. And then on the Sunday, which is the 12th, you, we can invite people to a guest service. All right, is, that, is that right, the 11th and 12th? I have to check that, check that date. It's that weekend's. It's that weekend, it's that Sunday. And there'll be leaflets available from next week, okay? So you can take leaflets and invite people as well. 10th and 11th, that's great, thank you. So it's Saturday the 10th and Sunday the 11th of November. The date's on, on this particular leaflet. So, so use that, use the guest service. Invite people to come, say, why don't you come? Why don't you come with me? Come with me. Are you building relationships, the next one, with people far from God? Listen, this is a challenge to many of us. We're, we're, we lead busy lives, we're rightly committed to being involved in the local church, but friends, we still need to make sure we're building friendships with people who don't know Jesus yet. It's core to who we are. You need to be intentional about it or it probably won't happen. Maybe you need to go away and think about how many non-Christian friends you actually have. The sad fact of church life in this country today is that typically the longer you're a Christian, the less non-Christian friends you have. 
You may not be typical, but that's typical. So I want to urge us, let's buck the trend. Come on, let's go for it. Let's make sure we're building relationships with people who are far from God. Bridges of friendship that we can then take the gospel over and say, hey, I've got some good news that could change your life. So be proactive, do something about it. We had a fantastic Alpha Supper a few weeks ago. Maybe many of you were there. Around about 180 people. We had an event at the spot. Came to here, Shane Lynch. And out of that evening, probably 150 or 160 guests, nowhere near as many of that as that signed up for the Alpha course. That's probably because many of them have just come to hear Shane. Well, that's fine. I don't mind that. Because by coming on that evening, they heard something about God's good news. They heard something about God's love for them. They heard the story of a guy that had seen on telly and how Jesus had changed his life. So that's fine. I don't mind they just came to that, that evening. That's okay. But I've realised that things like Alpha work best when you say to somebody, hey, why don't you come to this with me? I'm going to go to this. Why don't you come with me? And that's when Alpha seems to work best. The same is true of, um, of guest services. Now, I, I believe in leafleting. That's why we do it. A leafleting works. We've seen fruit from it. Some of you are here this morning because you've got a leaflet through your door. So that works. But listen, even better than that is for you to take a whole watch of them and say to some of your friends, hey, why don't you come to this with me? I'm going to this. Why don't you come with me? That's what, that's what really works. So listen, if you're struggling to make friends with people who don't know Jesus yet, then why don't you do something you enjoy doing already with people who are far from God? Maybe for you it's joining a gym, or going running, or playing snooker. Maybe join a reading club, join a cooking club, an art class, a cross-stitch club. I don't care, whatever it is, whatever floats your boat, whatever you like doing, do it with people who don't know Jesus yet. Make some friends and see what God does. We talked earlier in the year about the idea that we called a Matthew party. Throw a party. Invite lots of people who don't know Jesus yet and invite some people who do. Stand back, light touch paper and see what God does. Because often in those contexts, lots of conversations happen. There's a natural question, isn't it? Oh, how do you know so and so? Oh, well, I I know them from the same same football club. How do you know it? Oh, well, I go to the same church as them. And sometimes conversations happen and God does stuff. Listen, in a few months' time, it'll be Christmas, in case you hadn't noticed. I should have looked up how many shopping days it is left and frightened you. It's, it's probably too few, actually. But at Christmas, we have probably the best opportunity of the whole year to have people into our home. We did it last year. We had a mulled wine and mince pie evening. Dead easy, great fun, we even got people to bring their own mince pies and mulled wine. So it didn't cost them a lot. <laughs> but we had a great evening with lots of people who don't know Jesus yet and some people who do. You can do it. It's not difficult. It's not hard. Let's just round this up and then we're going to look at a video together as we close. I want to urge you, let this value of loving people who don't know Jesus yet Be right at the very core of who you are. Commit to building relationships 
with people who are far from God currently. Invest time in it. Do something about it. Then invite them to something like a guest service in November or Alpha or something else. And then believe God for him to work. Let's believe God for growth. Believe that God will be adding to us, building his church because he's promised that he would do it. Amen? I want us to watch a short video as we close. It's, uh, I came across it on a, on a CD, actually, I bought for, I think it was my brother-in-law, I bought him a birthday present and I, I, I decided to listen to the CD before I gave it to him. Don't tell him if you ever see him. Okay? <laughs> and I listened to a track and I, I was really impacted by a particular track and so I, I got hold of the music and I got hold of the video version of it. And I'd like us to watch that as we close now. And this challenges me on a whole number of levels. And I think it's going to challenge you as well. Number one, it challenges me as a father. If you are a father here this morning to either teenage children or younger, watch this video and let it challenge you. You'll see what I mean as we see it. Secondly, it challenges me to make sure that I want to make sure to ensure that people who don't know Jesus yet are welcomed in this church. And it also challenges me to be aware of opportunities that the Holy Spirit gives. Let's watch this now. Be open to God challenging you and speaking to you as we do. Okay, guys? Let's pray, shall we? Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that you love people who are far from you. Thank you, Lord God, that you love people so much who are far from you that you sent your Son to make it possible that we might have a relationship with you. Lord, sent your Son to die on the cross that we might know our sins forgiven, that we might know what it is to have a relationship with you. Lord, thank you that you made it possible, Lord. You demonstrated to us what it is to really love people who are far from you. And so I pray, Lord God, you would help us to really love people who are far from you. Lord, I pray it will be right at the very core of who we are, right at the very heartbeat of each of us, Lord. Right at the very heartbeat of Jubilee Church. Lord, put it in us, Lord. Put it in us, oh God. I pray this morning you would do a work by your Holy Spirit that it would really uh, take birth in us afresh, Lord. That we really would love people who are far from you. Come, Holy Spirit, even now, Lord. Come to us, oh God. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, oh God. Just as we stand in God's presence, I want us to keep our eyes closed and I just want to remind you of something I said earlier about how much lost people matter to God and maybe there's one or two of you here this morning you're thinking yeah that's me I don't know what it is to have a relationship with Jesus yet I would describe myself as maybe far from God or, or lost to him I'd love to know the the joy that you're talking about. I'd love to know what it is to have my sins forgiven. I'd love to know uh, what it is to have a relationship with him. Listen, this morning you can know that. This morning you can walk out of this room different to how you came in.
this morning, you can know the love of God in your life like you've never, ever known it before. And if for you, maybe it's coming back to him, or if for you, maybe it's coming to him for the first time, then friends, this morning, you can know it. God is calling your name. If that's you this morning, I want you to put your hand up. Just as we stand here in God's presence, if you want to respond to him this morning, maybe to come back to him, or maybe to come to him for the first time, you put your hand up right now. Right now as we stand before God. You raise your hands. You raise your hand. Thank you. Bless you. Are there any others? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'll ask once more. Is there anybody else? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. For you, today could be the day. God is calling your name. Calling you home. Because he loves people who are far from him. And he loves you. He knows you by name and he's calling you. the second group of people I'm going to pray for in just a second the person who put their hand up earlier I'm going to ask you to do something in a second just as we stand with our eyes closed I'm going to ask you to come to the front here and someone's going to pray with you and um, give you some literature that will help you And uh, so just as a moment if you could come then uh, and Julie and John are going to, going to pray with you and help you and uh, give you some a literature that would, would serve you. So in a second, as we pray, then you, you come. I want us to pray too this morning for any of you who want this value of really loving people who don't know Jesus yet to be part of who you are. If you think, yeah, I, I'd really like that, but I just don't think I've got it yet, I haven't you know, quite got hold of that yet, then I'd love to pray for you. And so, if you could come now, as just we stand in God's presence, then we're going to pray. We don't have a lot of time. We're nearly through. But just as we, just as we wait on God, I want you to come real quick now. I'm going to pray and ask God to put it in you. Okay, just as we stand in God's presence, just as we stand before him, you come. Loving people who don't know Jesus yet, Friends, it should be right at the very core of who we are. Right at the very core of who we are. I'm going to pray in just a second. Come, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, our God. I'll ask you once more. If you, want, if you want to declare before God today that this value is going to be important in your life, that you want to live for people who are far from him and demonstrating and showing and uh, telling the gospel to them, then you come. I'm going to pray in just a second. Come, Lord God. Come, Lord Jesus.
Father, I want to pray now, Lord God, that this value of loving people who are far from you, God, will be right at the very centre of who we are. Lord, I pray for each of us, Lord, that it would burn with a passion in us, oh God, that we would live for people who are far from you. I pray we'll be intentional about building friendships, Lord, not as a project, not as just a a thing that we think we should do, but Lord, because we've got a love for people, a love that you've put in our hearts, Lord, a love that you've shown to us, a love that you've demonstrated to us by sending Jesus to die on the cross. Lord, I ask that you would put it in us. Lord Jesus, I ask that we will be a church that loves people who are far from you. Lord, we we say, send us people who are far from you. Lord, we want to love people. Demonstrate to them the good news of the gospel. Lord, Help us to do it, Lord. Help us to honour you in it. Lord, would our personal lives reflect it? Lord, would our church life reflect it? God, I ask, be exalted in this. Be glorified in this. Lord, we say, oh God, be lifted up. Build your church, Lord Jesus, as you promised you would. Lord, we see you add many who come to know you. We ask it, Lord Jesus. Do it, please, for your great glory. Lord, it's your fame. It's your name to be exalted in the earth. Lord, it's not about us, it's about your glory. So we say, be glorified, oh God. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Friends, we're, we're through to stay and have tea and coffee and donuts with us. Hopefully you've got to rush off. If you'd like us to pray with you, then there's still those who can pray with you. Just come and find one of us at the front. We'd love to do that. And don't forget, next Sunday's baptisms, so make sure you're here, make sure you're here early, got lots to pack in next Sunday. And listen, it's an, an ideal opportunity to bring friends, invite people, come and see what baptism's all about, and hear some great stories of God changing lives. Amen? Have a great week. And we look forward to seeing you next weekend.